hunger teaches you the best. It's not like any uh, inspiring story. I dreamt of being an entrepreneur. No, I dreamt of not being poor. And one thing I always think is important is to not look like everyone expects you to look because that is what, like you said, people will then know it's you straight away because you have your own defined, like unique kind of visual experience. A short of craziness in believing that we can build something meaningful and impactful uh, if we just learn how to work together and overcome adversity. It should be a context where ideas and competencies can be exchanged easily within industries. Because startups are the cauldron of creation, right? Where you, you need to put in some ingredients, you have no idea what those ingredients are because there's no label on them. You turn up the heat and you start mixing them and you're, while you're mixing, you're in the pot. So you're mixing the pot yeah. with yourself. How can anyone actually, with, uh, in their right mind, predict and uh, say, okay, this is the plan? Okay, welcome folks, folks to a new episode of uh, the Website Intelligence Podcast, TWIP, which uh, we are referring to internally and externally now. Uh, we have today with us uh, Daniel Tamash from Cluj. So we both uh, we both are from from Cluj, also one of the uh, offices of Visitor Analytics in Cluj, as you as you might know. They also started in Cluj, but uh, we will talk with him extensively about his background and uh, what he's doing actually. Uh, welcome, Daniel. And um, as a first question, we will usually say that I mean, where did you grow up and what would you say was unique about being there during your younger years? So all these unique elements which you might share with us. Everyone, thank you for having me on the show, Dragos, Matt. Really a pleasure to meet you guys. What was unique about Cluj? I'm a born and raised uh, Cluj folk and um, I'm 36 years old. That means in 92, 93, uh, I started seeing as a young boy how things are evolving. And um, one of the not so unique things back then was uh, pretty much poverty, which uh, um, I would say is a very unappreciated gift, even by myself. So uh, that was a very uh, important, uh, let's say, ingredient in my development. And one other thing uh, besides this was the possibility of touching a computer in 93, 94, 95, 6, 7 at a place called uh, the Children's Palace. I don't know if you remember it or if you attended it. It was uh, one of the few places in Cluj where you could actually uh, get in touch with the computer and see what it does. Uh, just uh, put your uh, hands on it. And I knew uh, that for the first time when I saw a computer, which was in about 93, 4, something like this, at my cousin's house, when I played the first uh, Heroes game, I don't know, um, sure. maybe it was a bit later, 97, but again, I was young. Uh, I knew for a fact that my destiny and my future would be tied to computers. I see, yeah, for, for the audience who doesn't know the Children's Palace is a place where you can find all these uh, activities based on hobbies. You can find uh, things yeah. related to offline things, but also online things. So it was one of the first places actually introducing computer. Matt, I think you wanted to say something. 
No, I was just going to say, like, we had this conversation previously with Ignacio uh, Iguide, who's who's uh, who was the CMO at School Chain. He's now he's now moved over to, to Zappo Bank, um, but he's a similar age to us, right? I'm 39, so a bit older than you, but I, I have that same kind of memory of like first seeing a computer, first seeing the internet, you know, first understanding that this was like now the the new reality and wanted to take advantage of that kind of thing. Um, with that in mind. What would you say was um, your first like, aspiration in terms of career? Like when you were a kid and you were learning computers and you were being inspired by them, what would you say you know you thought about uh, in terms of your you know your future career? I could be lying and uh, telling you the PR version of things how uh, like most people say on podcasts. Um, I had no idea or I did not have any structured plans as, as a young boy uh, dreaming of uh, at, back then some money to just enjoy life. Um, I knew for a fact that somehow what will I do in my career will be tied to computers. But I had no visibility regarding how will that play out. And it did play out in a very unexpected way. I can go uh, into it now or later, depending on how what your plans are for. Uh, no, go for this it. Podcast. Yeah, just carry on. Yeah, maybe just explain like kind of that progression from you know being inspired in the first like you know uh, instant to computers, and how you know progressively did that turn into your first actual opportunity in, in the field? Well, uh, okay. I was in my fifth grade when the first internet cafe opened up in our neighborhood, the first ever. It was computers all tied together. We were playing Doom. And I got my ass kicked several times <laughs> by my parents because I was uh, going to the place and uh, had to spend money there. And money was not a very common resource back then. And at, uh, at that age, uh, there were some guys who had the internet cafe who I would say I owe a lot uh, because they were, let's say, kind enough at a lot of times to let me just uh, play around. That is when I learned what Mirk is, what uh, Doom is, what Starcraft is, what um, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of activities, how computers work, how networks work, uh, operating systems at a point I was actually, I think for a, a month and uh, something like this, I was running the cafe as a supervisor <laughs> at, and I was 12, 13, something like that. Uh, because I was there all day. It was the only thing I cared about. And I could say that played an important role in me understanding how computers work, but it was nowhere near... Uh, to the level of me learning programming, for instance, or graphic design. Mm -hmm. When I went to high school with all this knowledge, uh, the internet back then in, in Cluj was still developing and um, neighborhood networks started appearing, right? Where people were just banding up together and somebody would just poke a hole in their apartment, put a big router or a switch and everybody had internet. This was my... Uh, in my case, I convinced my father to poke a hole in uh, in my room <laughs> so all the cables could go in and out. And we started, um, I think, by the eighth grade, I finally got my own computer at home. 
And uh, at first it was dial up. It was an amazing experience because you actually had to wait for stuff. Not like kids these days when it's not, not only kids, myself as well. When it's not 5G, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. Uh, and especially in Romania, we're kind of spoiled with the internet connections today. And um, having access to internet and a computer, I started playing even more games. And at that point, my high school buddy and I, uh, he started making, uh, playing a game online called... Uh, Dark Throne, I think it was called. It was an online M a multiplayer, uh, text-based, and we started playing. And because of it, at a point, a Romanian alliance of accounts was being formed that uh, grew into a forum that had a domain and people started talking. And uh, there were different conversation topics. And um, that is when I learned how to install, for instance, a, a forum uh, the, you had uh, PHP scripts that were free and you could install a forum and people were discussing how to make money online. Now that was the eye opener in the sense that, okay, I love computers. I love what they do. I love to play, but now I can make money out of a thing that I really enjoy. And I had no idea how that would work, but I know that I made a rentacoder.com uh, account. I was, um, I would say back then I knew 0.01% of what I know today. And that didn't stop me uh, from making an account, just copying what other people were uh, writing in their account as uh, skills. I had no skills, <laughs> like literally no skills. And I just said, uh, man, if I get the job, I, I, I moderated it a bit in the sense that I didn't uh, just dive full in into programming. I just went the design route at the beginning. And uh, I, I was playing a lot with Photoshop. And uh, I started getting jobs, like doing, uh, doing custom icons, doing uh, backgrounds, some animations. Back then, I, I called myself a designer and I evolved in that direction for a few years where I made custom websites for people in Flash and then uh, HTML5 and then PHP and so on. And it just progressed like this until 2007 when I opened up my first gaming company and it, it just built up on that. But this was the the, the way things progressed and it, it, I could say they started since 2002. So I would uh, have more than uh, 20 years uh, working in the field. <laughs> So, uh, because it, it feels like you always had this kind of uh, entrepreneurial spirit and uh, always it, it ties back to other, other guests we had uh, owning businesses. They all had like parents having uh, businesses or they from, from an early age uh, started to adopt this uh, entrepreneurial mentality. Uh, you had before any kind of career job or you went away straight away into entrepreneurship so I, I was doing freelance since my high school and uh, the, the, that is when I started making my own money from I don't mm -hmm. know 50 and it was good money $500 uh, maybe $2,000 at times per month that was a lot of money for a dude with no skills no training no school inclusion and um, during my first year at the law school which is may come as a surprise but I've uh, I've been stupid more than once. Um, I got, uh, let's say, a friend of mine recommended my work to a company. 
And they said, okay, wouldn't you want to work with us as a web designer full-time and so on? And I said, yes. And I did that for about a year and seven months. And I'm really, really grateful because of it. Um, um, because at that time, one of the uh, co-founders of that uh, small studio left and I just loved taking on responsibility and doing things like sales and pitching uh, the, the specific product. Don't imagine I was good at pitching or stuff. It, it just felt natural. Uh, in my family, my father uh, owned a business and he still does. Uh, and maybe this is where I got the idea from. But the main driver, honestly, was uh, I did not have stuff to put on me. My parents did not give me any money. So I knew that I was responsible for my own well-being. This is the uh, hunger teaches you the best. It's not like any uh, inspiring story. I dreamt of being an entrepreneur. No, I dreamt of not being poor. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your father had a business. That was back then when you were a kid as well. Because we've had so many conversations with people on this podcast um, who were entrepreneurs. And I think all of them, I don't think there's been one person yet who didn't have some kind of entrepreneurialism within the family. And so you, you were witnessing that growing up, your, your father himself having a business and things? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have no idea how much of an impact that made, but, but definitely it did have an impact. Uh, but most likely it, it was a pure curiosity. How can one make money out of their home on their computer, uh, uh, working with people from Brazil, Australia, United States, Egypt, uh, just doing uh, exciting things and it, it, it just one step ahead of the other and it led to where it led today mm-hmm. and obviously as what you are describing and i briefly checked also your linkedin profile it seems that you have a pretty extensive career also in business per se as in entrepreneurship you i mean in terms of product development and all those steps you need to take to launch a product in a way it seems like you have a compelling experience. Would you share maybe two, three key moments from your business career which you think it shaped your your vision the best? Oh, man, now I have to sound like Steve Jobs or some <laughs> uh, cool-ass guy. Otherwise, I'll be uh, lowering the bar. The first thing was uh, just my own company. Uh, that was the, the, the key moment. But it be, becoming like incorporated for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, a second key moment was when we, uh, my business partner and I back then lost all, almost all the company because uh, one of our biggest partners was uh, restructuring and they cut our contracts and our deals mid-term. And we did not experience this before. So it was new to us and to how to manage that. Almost all our employees out of 30 people, we were left with six, I think, six or seven. Was it still a gaming company, that one? Yeah. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. And um, another one was... <sighs> Maybe one from the WEM times. Well, one, one defining moment was actually last year when we decided to pivot the economic model of WAM towards blockchain-enabled apps and uh, tokens Mm -hmm. that was really eye-opening in the sense that when demand meets uh, supply there's there are going to be sparks coming out and uh, they did so it it was a defining moment and actually 
Uh, I'm glad we did it. It was a hard year this year, but it was also very filled with knowledge. So I'm assuming you pivot because of a some sort of crisis or because you literally saw a better alternative in your business model? Again, I would want to sound smart, but it was just a crisis. And then we, we found out. Uh, in the sense that we were a traditional app when we started out, uh, we had a very successful beta launch, but then we failed to raise traditional money Definitely. for various reasons. The product was not ready. We did not. We. It's one thing to make a product uh, and uh, just be lucky with the timing in the market. That was with the, the other companies. We did not know. We were just lucky and we just went along. And it's another thing to plan to have a success. Uh, in, in a new field because we were inventing some shit. And uh, it, it's easy to sound smart after the fact, but the truth is we were running out of cash. We have an amazing first and only investor, which is Vojko Prian from Arobs. Uh, for some reason, he believed in us and in our uh, crappy vision back then. Mm -hmm. And we, we actually uh, uh, proved that at least we can be trusted with money. We won't buy any expensive horses. But we were running out of cash. So we we got two pointers last year. One of them was from US VCs that we were talking with and they kept asking, why aren't you in crypto? And uh, why isn't your token? We had a token. We had a token in mind. It was called Tapcoin from Digitap. Uh, we had a license, a registration license for it, but we didn't set a date when we're going to integrate the blockchain in the app. Mm -hmm. um, so we had that vision from the beginning. And also during the summer, we had community members from the people that were using the app starting writing to us on email. Hey, how can I sell the token? Where can I buy the token? And we were a bit, uh, wait what are these guys talking about? Why are the VCs pointing us towards tokens? And we started researching. We saw Axie Infinity. We saw the uh, commotion. Uh, we were in a due diligence process with a very big company, uh, gaming company, but for traditional equity investment. And we saw things were not moving as planned. They, it was a very amazing experience and they were uh, super helpful. But at the same time, I do understand that everybody has their own angle and strategy, which might not help us at times. So after spending five, six months in a due diligence process and seeing nothing was happening, we had to decide because we had one more month left mm -hmm. to live. So from on the 10th of September last year, we just decided cold Turkey since uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to be a crypto company. Oh, I don't know what that means. It's a, just a, a sentence. We're going to put it out there. And we started asking people, um, our head of crypto uh, was pretty much instrumental and helpful in making this pivot. We worked with him before in a startup he and our CTO was in. So we had this background and we knew each other. And he kept saying, look, guys, I know some smart people and you're not them because people in crypto are throwing money at gaming projects and you're uh, chasing uh, VCs that don't give you 10K and make you jump hoops for those 10K. Mm. And um, I can confirm that this is actually what happened. When we jumped into crypto, we soon had offers to buy the token because we made a token sale as we did it. I mean, as we knew how to make it. If I were to make it again, I would make it differently. But back then we had $10 million in a month and a half. 
on the table. That was literally crazy. It, it, it made, made no sense. It like literally makes no sense. And since then, by the way, just a lesson um, that we all learn in the team is that we're never going to go back to fiat as much as we can. It's just a stupid yeah, yeah. world. Middle ages, it makes no sense. So just to tie back to, to Steve Jobs as well, because he said you can connect the dots only looking backwards. Yeah. So you need to trust somehow that your future steps would connect somehow in the future as well. And uh, I would like also to ask you, Uh, to tell us about your current role and just to give us some few words on on what WEM does, what WEM is, maybe start even with this and then your current role as, because I know you're, you're stewarding basically this ship called uh, WEM, yeah. Well, um, I know for a fact that I'm not a suited person to run uh, this um, in the sense that it's an ever-evolving role Um, WAM is basically a platform that aims to make crypto fun for, uh, for 1.5 billion people around the world who today enjoy casual and hyper-casual games. And we plan to do it by eliminating complexity from the world itself, from the technology, and putting it in a context of playing and having fun with other people. And by exiting the context, you already know how to use a token, you know what seed phrase is, you know what a chain is, what a wallet is, and so on. This is what WAM does. An app with uh, simple games, uh, playable as tournaments, where people can win digital assets and status. That's pretty much it. In terms of stewarding uh, this team, um, I'm uh, as a novice as I can be in, in, in this role. Uh, for some reason, 32 people trust, uh, let's say, my skills. Uh, but at the same time, I trust their skills. So uh, the, the main reason we are here today is because of the team. My co-founder also has extensive uh, knowledge in social media publishing. Our CTO is like a freaking amazing uh, tech guru. Machine. Um, yeah. Tech machine. Um, our CEO has been uh, in the games industry with me for the past almost 10 years. Our product officer, um, who's also my wife, has been uh, creating publishing games, making uh, licensing deals, uh, business development on games for the past 10 years. Um, and I will go, uh, I, I can go through the rest of the team, but there are quite a bit of people. All of them are talented. All of them are committed. Uh, and I would say humble enough to learn and know when we do not know. And one question I have. Just... So this is pretty much it. I'm, I'm not doing... Carry on, carry sorry? on, sorry. No, carry on. Um, this is pretty much it. Um, the only thing that I do differently now is that I have the chance out of all the team to go into podcasts and look smart and talk about uh, how cool we are. But the main fact is that we managed to get here uh, because of the team, number one, and secondly, the community that is actually growing. Uh, it's not been easy and it, it's not easy. It's a bear market on all fronts. They're just bears right now. Uh, but we have been delivering all year round and I will tell you a bit more about uh, what we achieved later on. Well, I think like as a observer who's, who's uh, you know, new to knowing both you as a person and also when as a company, I think probably, you know, the level of honesty <laughs> And like you know integrity with a role in terms of you know accepting i don't know all of this therefore i need people who do know all of that stuff and to trust them 
that probably plays a huge role in you know in building a really you know uh, like solid robust company. One question I have is just so you have multiple companies still ongoing today, right? So Digitrap, Game Arena, Wham, and then also um, still Idea Studios. You're working on all of those things still, or it's it's now mainly just Wham, or they all link together somehow. How does that kind of balance work out? Right now, it's just Wham. This is the the main focus that I have. Game Arena is. Uh, um, let's say an evolution of my past companies where I'm just a shareholder right now, uh, in the sense that um, we, we evolved it to Web3 as well to work together with Wham uh, to bring decentralized avatars because we missed this component in the app. Mm. And uh, my previous expertise was uh, making, creating games, viral games for women that involved fashion and hairstyle and makeup, everything that a bearded 100 kilo guy should do uh, very manly um, and I see it very well working together with Wham but this is pretty much it the the focus itself is on Wham right now look this is uh, uh, the license plate uh, on me. Um, um, the Wham in, in order to be a global success and capture the market it needs full focus and it needs a committed, uh, I would say, I'm, I'm missing the word, a, a committed effort mm -hmm. from all of uh, everybody in the team to make it happen. And still, with all this, all the good intentions, all the committed effort, all of the resources, all the partners, everything that we, you have, we still have a 99% chance of fucking it up. Anyway. Yeah, we, we were asking because uh, I'm looking jealously at Elon Musk, how he does everything and now he's running like twitter he has like tesla he has boring company he has now he just launched maybe you saw the chat gpt stuff which yeah. is trending big time on on tiktok I thought this is was... actually a good, a good thing that you mentioned chat gpt this is uh, uh, the chat gpt confirms our vision that we had since last year of uh, making wham an ai enabled platform where people can create games with the help of ai and uh, becoming game creators themselves but we'll get to that in a minute. I thought I thought you said it's confirming because you wrote on ChatGPT. That's when being confirmed as, as a business model. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, one of the one of the questions about your, uh, yeah, your current ahead. role is just you mentioned before that it's um, it's a role that's like constantly like changing and evolving and morphing into different things. And I think every time we've spoken to anybody who's um, a co-founder. That's just the reality, right? Is one minute you're kind of more the chief product officer, the next minute you're more the marketing or sales guy. Um, how would you say your specific role has evolved over the last, say, six to twelve months? And um, what currently would you say is your is your main focus as, as an individual within that company? That's a, you have the tough questions. <laughs> I can say for a fact that I've been uh, everything that was needed from, uh, uh, I don't know, the, the CEO who would go and pitch, uh, learn to pitch. I have I had no idea how to pitch. We have two amazing guys in the team that have more than 10 years in M&A and uh, investing. And uh, uh, they were so politely to, to just tell me, look, look, guy, you suck. Uh, and... Um, the main reason I could take that feedback, I could, I, I want to attribute it to me pr uh, practicing martial arts, 
where you are always a student. So I took that to heart and I literally understood that I suck at pitching and I still do, but I, I learned a few tricks from them. And um, going forward to the designer, web designer, programmer, backend developer, frontend developer, uh, business developer, coach, um, product, um, I don't know, legal, accounting, you name it. Uh, I love these things, but at the same time, I quickly realized I had to stop being mediocre at many things at once. And I'm still, uh, it's actually a challenge. And while the operation is small, and it's still small, we still have a lot of work to do. But while it's small in terms of numbers, it's manageable. And it it, it is actually required. But once that team grows more uh, at this stage, I would say coaching rather than management, because it's still, uh, we as Eastern Europeans and Romanians lack a very important skill. And that is to know how to work with each other in a perfectly... uh, well-oiled machine. Mm -hmm. So this is, I would say, the mission that I'm on right now. And at the same time, to push the vision that we have further and to just live up to my word. Uh, Again, from martial arts, you don't get the black belt by asking for it. You get the black belt by working for it and just passing exam after exam. And I can honestly say this year has been a black belt exam every fucking day, <laughs> like every day, every day. It was the black belt exam. Um, and we failed a lot of times and I did uh, fail a lot of times, but here we are. Um, not Elon Musk. That guy has a different superpower. Um, I do believe in, uh, leading with your heart and, uh, being, uh, I don't know, fair about what you want and what you don't. It's so cool that you mentioned pitching and the pitching ability of an entrepreneur because also in our uh, clients' ecosystem at Vista Analytics, we have many, many business owners, especially small and medium-sized business owners who want to get maybe to the next level. They may be trying to attract some some money from the from the markets. Uh, let's say maybe which were the two, three elements or how many elements you would like to mention, which you thought maybe they were true and now do you think they are false and you improved in such a way your your business pitching? Uh, one of the things that I thought was true was that I know how to present the product and the vision. Oh, man, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was wrong on so many levels. And uh, I'm con- continuously improving on that. Secondly, that um, if you have a vision, good people can work together and know how to work together flawlessly. That was false. You still need to work on the team itself and on the culture and and how things should be. Mm -hmm. Um, So essentially, sorry to cut in there. You're you're saying if, because these are the mainly the the things I heard in the market that you have to have like uh, similar values and uh, different competencies which would fit together somehow. So you're saying that even if you have those similar values, you still have to work at the team and get aligned on certain topics, so on and so forth. Think of it like this. We have the same values, uh, both you and I, right? Mm -hmm. And we like competency and at the same time, we like results. Very soon, 
we will start clashing because we are competitive by nature. Mm -hmm. And um, we will start getting frustrated with one in, uh, another because, um, as we all know, communication is the hardest of the skills one man or woman can actually master. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah. it's an ongoing challenge. And I do believe that only getting past these stages, these are stages, every startup goes through these stages, you can actually hope of becoming a global success. Mm -hmm. So it's not even insured, but uh, what is pretty damn sure is that if we don't get past this stage, we won't make it to the next one. Gotcha. It's like, I think it's a, it's a common error, right, of, of like founders or CEOs that when they have their own vision and they really believe in it and they're really passionate about it, they kind of believe kind of naively that everyone's going to just feed off that passion. And therefore, they'll all be sharing the same thing. They all completely understand the vision, completely aligned with it. Whereas actually, you need to yeah create proper structures and processes so everyone knows what their part of the vision kind of creation is. Uh, so you can kind of be more strategic in terms of how you how you step towards something. Makes a lot of sense. Um, and uh, just to add on that, and actually, just before you you, you go on, Matt, and also trying to communicate that vision as as frequently as possible, in my opinion, as well among among the team, because maybe you have new joiners as well. So you need to get a line on certain topics. Those are actually my, my two cents. Sorry, just. Yeah. yeah, I think even even for me, like having like a like a marketing department, you know, to try and align with as we grow, as we shift and change what we're doing slightly. I always now look at, you know, when I have conversations with CEOs and I hear about the challenges they're facing and they talk about how, you know, maybe in support things are a bit weak or maybe in the product side or maybe this side, I just like now I have such an appreciation for how many things are being balanced all at the same time. It's very hard to have your eyes open to everything to, and to ensure that that balance is always in place. So that's why you're kind of bobbing around, changing from, you know, from thing to thing all the time. It's a big challenge, but. That's why uh, that's why it's fun as well, right? <laughs> um, I'm oh. going to move on slightly to the next segment, which obviously this is the website intelligence podcast, and so we talk a little bit about websites and this and this kind of thing. Like in terms of at WAM, what kind of role does the website play in in, in, in your company, and how would you say you know are the most kind of typical um, like channels and conversion points that your users have? Uh, to getting to getting them, you know, from being someone who's learning about what you do to being an active user of of, of your platform. Well, uh, you will learn something today, and that is that I really love web technology. I've been doing web stuff since I was uh, I put my hands on my computer. So what you see now, uh, when you download the app, it is actually a web view loading up a URL. So we built uh, the vision, the initial vision regarding the technology side was to build a web app that can give users a better experience in playing games than native apps, or at least on par, but with less cost and with uh, more device compatibility. So right now, WAM is a web app. It's being built with Nux.js. I love that framework and I love you. Um, and... Um, this was the vision regarding how much reach can we get. So we can get the iOS, we can get the Android, but we can also get the mobile web and desktop. We, we don't have a desktop version yet, but it's just a matter of uh, adding the template. Um, 
And th this is how I view websites. I, I do believe that web itself and the browser is making a very huge comeback uh, that will make most of app development obsolete. It makes sense. It, it's so powerful, so capable, and especially the games that we're publishing can be made with web technology that runs on your phone seamlessly uh, with less privacy issues, by the way, than native apps because you don't have access to a lot of uh, APIs and that makes it safe by, uh, by design. And at the same time, uh, a wider device compatibility and cheaper on the pocket. If you're in a developing nation, you don't want to download, I don't know, 300 megabytes of game from your stores on your cell phone on even on your uh, Wi-Fi. Whereas a web app, you can easily, I don't know, uh, cut down 80% of the code, 90% of the code and just make it very, very light. And, I and on the sorry. touch points. Carry on. No, sorry, go, go ahead. Uh, on the touch points with, uh, with where the users come uh, right now, our Biggest is on Android from the store and uh, next is iOS because we focused on downloads for the moment. And once a user gets past the amateur level that he's on in, uh, in, in terms of skill, they will spend more than one hour playing. So this is our focus right now to improving the conversion rate from amateur to the other levels of skill. Yeah, I just wanted to to add my my two cents on on the topic because you're seeing also what what crazy success Figma had, which was a browser app in a way, and was in terms of more in terms of the collaborative kind of tools. Now they're saying the the next unicorns are coming from still the same collaborative tools, but in terms of video editing or some other sorts of iterations. And uh, I just wanted to to ask you. On this topic, whenever you built your your website or whenever you wanted to choose uh, or w whenever you're looking at the website now, do you did you uh, model it through other benchmarks from the from the industry or you literally created it from scratch? Literally created it from scratch. I have a very big problem with. Uh, um, uh, copying, mm -hmm. um, copying uh, concepts is sometimes useful or copying mechanics, which is a totally different thing from visuals, right? But when it comes to your unique product and uh, something that distingu distinguishes one in the market, I believe that uh, companies that will succeed will be better at creating their own, let's say, brands and uh, visuals that people can identify very easily uh, just by taking a glance. I was going to say as well, I'm just on your website now, it does look very unique. You know, it's very striking. It's really interesting. It doesn't look like how I would expect this kind of, um, you know, platform website to look. And that's the main thing, right? It's, it's one thing we're, we're kind of moving towards um, redesigning our website at some stage in the next few months. And one thing I always think is important is to not look like everyone expects you to look because that is what, like you said, people will then know it's you straight away because you have your own defined, like unique kind of visual experience. Um, I also noticed that you have this, um, you know, like blog and resources section as well on your website. That's also something I'm, I'm not sure many people in your space really have, maybe in the crypto space. 
um, but maybe not in the, in the kind of gaming crypto space quite so much. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like how much like of a of an emphasis do you put on this kind of educational element of your website and creating content and things? Uh, and, and what kind of benefit do you think that you well, can get from doing this? Being in crypto taught us that we need to be in close relationship with our community. That meant putting up updates so people know that we are alive. We found out this year that and probably you guys know uh, a lot of crypto projects are scams. Yeah. And uh, that is one concept that li literally makes my skin crawl uh, because I've been, uh, as I knew in terms of skill and in terms of knowledge, I've been trying to build a company that makes a global impact, right? Uh, in, in my naivete from Cluj. So again, I'm not that smart. The glasses fool you. Um, and being transparent and communicative with uh, the community helped us uh, at least remain relevant. Like people knew that we were pushing updates. We were trying to do stuff. By the way, we're, we're uncovering a new market, a new blue ocean. We're inventing some business models. We're inventing new ways of people playing or interacting with each other with the help of blockchain. So... It, it was kind of required to keep this contact with the community and with the people that bought in our initial vision. At least this is what we could do. If we're doing it right, I have no idea because we, we didn't get any feedback on, on the uh, first blog post, like, look, this is really helpful or not. But uh, we do see people reading it. Not many people, two, 300 people a post. Uh, but if that helps somebody using our app and understanding more about what we do and what our vision is, then we're doing a good job. Got it. Uh, and just moving on uh, slowly to, towards our next question, because as Matt says, we are, we are here on the website intelligence podcast. We're focusing lots of also on KPIs and analytics. Are there any key figures? Are you most interested at the moment in in your business whenever you're launching maybe a marketing campaign or if you have some kind of kpis you're monitoring on a daily basis yes so right now we're doing only organic uh, marketing we're doing social media content creation that has proven very successful it's uh most of the i mean not most all the results on that side uh are uh, thanks to Alex, my co-founder, and uh, Ellie, who is our uh, um, head of social media content creation. Um, we're not purchasing any traffic just yet because we still have a lot of reach to cover and a lot of markets to be in. The KPIs that we look at is uh, uh, video reach in terms of social media and then conversions on the install URL on the profile, and then the install rate in the stores, the churn rate, like people who uninstall, uh, and uh, then uh, the day one retention, day seven retention, day 14, day 30, mm -hmm. and then the basically the purchase, when, when the purchase happens. Mm -hmm. Given that we're still adapting the app Based on our findings, these are not, uh, let's say, set in stone numbers that we can scale with paid traffic at this point. Plus, again, organic is uh, 
a better channel for us at this uh, exact moment. But when when you say organic, which are the main mediums you're TikTok. pushing your content uh, through? TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. You're using YouTube Shorts as well. Yeah, yeah, YouTube Shorts. So everything that is real YouTube Shorts and TikTok. Uh huh. Got it. And when- uh, it's an evolving strategy. Uh, we have no idea. I mean, in terms of angles, uh, our social media content creator is focused on getting new angles. I'm pretty much old for thinking about them. So I'm not, I'm not the right age group at this point. So he has free, let's say free reign on what is being created. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, the videos are not necessarily as we would expect, given that we work with algorithms, it's just a matter of uh, hitting the right uh, nerve on that algo so we can get that reach. Um, but yeah, th- this is what we do right now. In terms of like um, the broader like kind of tech or the, like the tech stack you have as a company, like what kind of role would you say like the technology plays, um, you know, not only in the actual platform itself, but in terms of the kind of marketing side, the um, you know, measuring these KPIs such as Chan and, and these kind of things, but also in terms of the um, like collaboration side, like working together with a team and trying to create a shared vision and unity and collaboration. What kind of tech would you say is most important within the kind of stack or within your company? And so just to, add, court... just to build something, just a quick one on, on what Matt said. If you're using any kind of analytics tool for your in-app analytics. Sorry, yeah. Sorry for so, too many questions in one. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, for a company and to get ourselves organized, we use Discord for our community as well. Also Telegram and Twitter. Um, Google Drive. Uh, we also have our own private uh, cloud. Um, in terms of analytics, we use Firebase and Google G4. It's it's a pain using it since the update. I've been uh, accustomed to the old analytics and it, uh, I feel I'm getting old. It's not that easy to get accustomed with new types of namings and metrics and all that shit. It's, but luckily, I'm not the one looking at them constantly and uh, the team has learned this for a while now. And um, what are the things? I, I think pretty much uh, and Slack. That's so our ticket, yeah, it's using Slack. Uh, the, the tickets in the app go to Slack. Mm, of course, GitHub, mm-hmm. somewhat Bitbucket, but too many tools complicate things. So we actually started reducing the tools that we were using because all of a sudden from a gaming company, we were, uh, I don't know, almost a consultancy company in which tools to use because we tested a lot of them and uh, it started consuming time. Super stuff. And uh, on the personal side, do you have any kind of pieces of technology or apps which you are using on a daily basis, maybe, I don't know, to grow yourself or to entertain yourself or any thoughts on I this? Ditched, I ditched TikTok from my phone. I'm clean three weeks now. Uh, I'm still using Instagram for uh, for the reels part, uh, but I'm using it less and less. Um, I would say uh, WhatsApp, 
and again discord on my phone and uh, th this is pretty much it any spotify or some no, no i'm not i'm not a spotify user i know I'm, I'm in a very weird group where i don't use any spotify stuff usually i don't listen to music and when i do it's acdc on maximum and that's it thunderstruck <laughs> and two others mongolian metal so i can focus <laughs> what um just going back a little bit into this like uh you know the role of a ceo and the fact that it's there's so much happening all the time do you use any kind of um like platform or any kind of app or any, anything like this to help in terms of you structuring you know your weeks and your days and how you plan things and how you manage you know your own personal life as well so just so you know my personal life in, uh, is uh, um, my wife, my dog, and myself going to the office every day at 9.30 after walking the dog uh, and going back home at 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. So we're both uh, in this. She's a bit more ambitious than I am in terms of uh, delivering stuff. In terms of organizing things, I have a Google Calendar, but I'm not one of those. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not a role model CEO. I see a lot of tips and tricks on how to uh, master your calendar and manage your days. I hate that shit. It makes no <laughs> sense to me. Uh, I just put uh, uh, put in the calendar only the things that I'm interested in, like uh, the important calls when I don't miss uh, mails and go into spam and uh, prolong podcasts with uh, cool guys. <laughs> um, and... Um, this is pretty much it. Luckily, the team that I have also keeps me organized. But in terms of getting one organized, um, I find it to, to have a, a better approach when I'm thinking in terms of martial arts. In yeah. a sense, then this is how my brain works. Um, you don't need many things to do every day, even if one can do a lot of things during the day. Uh, you just need to do the things that matter and be very, let's say, thoughtful about how you identify the things that matter because uh, these are also complex topics. Uh, other than this, um, I could say things like most of the CEOs don't admit. Sometimes I have no fucking idea what I'm doing in terms of like, what is this shit? What, why am I not, uh, I don't know, reopening my OnlyFans account and making easy money with putting stuff up my soul, right? <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, it's a crisis, you know. Uh, you need to have options. Uh, the bottom line is, I'm the only reason I'm being able to do things is because of the team. And this is not, not a joke, not a, like the US type of uh, humble brag. Oh, I'm, I'm humble. No, 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 this is for real. Uh, the only reason I, I can make progress is because of the team that I have. And um, let's say a, a short of craziness in believing that we can build something meaningful and impactful uh, if we just learn how to work together and overcome adversity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this um... so so such a nice yeah yeah go ahead actually I, say, I think this kind of message is, is super important to people listening because um i find that as well when you when you look at these other companies like for me other cmos at other companies and i think 
God, they have like the creative side and then they're so structured and they're, they're doing events as well. How can they manage all these things? And because they're presenting themselves as being these kind of perfectionists who have every single element completely, you know, um, you know, nailed. And then you hear from people like uh, the guys from uh, Metadata who recently kind of were very open and said, we kind of blag a lot of what we do. <laughs> and they talked about their strategy for next year and, th and they released some kind of podcast where it was like, don't have a strategy for a whole year. It doesn't make any sense. If you're a tech company, great, Look, why? Uh, I, have, I have to cut you in on this because uh, th th this is a trigger on my end. Uh, and this is one thing I, I never understand, but I do understand the logic behind it, but I still, at the end of the topic, I don't understand it. Why investors, for instance, ask you for a fucking big plan. Why? Because startups are the cauldron of creation, right? Where you, you need to put in some ingredients. You have no idea what those ingredients are because there's no label on them. You turn up the heat. And you start mixing them and you're while you're mixing, you're in the pot. So you're mixing yeah. the pot with yourself. How can anyone actually with uh, in their right mind predict and uh, say, okay, this is the plan. And uh, this is one of the reasons investments fail before product market fit, before uh, teams, because um, entrepreneurs better than myself know how to sell their product uh, better. They get the money, but they don't know how to build. They don't know how to do a lot of things and then they fail. And the general statistics is like, hey, uh, the, this amount of startups fail because, I don't know, whatever reason. Um, and um, for instance, when we pitched Wham to Vojko Pran, it was a different beast. Just for our audience, Vojko Pran is one of the most reputable Entrepreneur, yes. not only in Cluj, but in Romania as well. He built a multi-million dollar company, a worldwide multi-million dollar company. He's the biggest software uh, company listed on the Romanian Stock Exchange. He's uh, not only big in Romania, but big in Europe and Southeast Asia. And um, uh, I actually took some coaching, uh, did some coaching with him and uh, learned quite a few things. So I, I really appreciate him for that. So Vojko, taking the if time. You hear this, Vojko, if you're here, this podcast, please, please come, come on. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll make sure he knows it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and um, when we pitched it, it was a different beast. We had a different app, different business model. We made some predictions, but when you're inventing things, some shit will go down. And maybe I'm uh, not maybe a hundred percent. I'm lacking the proper, uh, let's say, mental framework to make these predictions and then. Uh, adjust them, but for myself, they make no sense. But it is important to have that North Star, like where do you want to go? What is the revenue that you want to get? But this is pretty much it. Other than this, in a, a very new startup, inventing things uh, is a waste of um, gray matter. It, it never happens. It just it, it, the, uh, the, the prediction exists just to, uh, uh, I don't know, Help investors swallow a tough pill. Yeah. And I think the problem with it is that you, you have so many people, whatever position they might be in, if they're kind of creating part of a strategy, whereby they're creating it because they feel they have to and they want to kind of prove that they're doing all the research and thinking about all of the things. And then what you end up with is something that's so complex 
there's not even any kind of platform or any kind of time that you can really share the strategy with anybody or align on it when actually if you just align on say you know three key things you want to achieve that year and then as you start to plan throughout the year and have new ideas and new things happen then you can go back to this you know very mini framework and say what do they feed into do they feed into one of these key objectives and so you can have like a very loose framework but certainly trying to cement everything long in advance and and expect to be able to stick you know to that in any kind of way shape or form just doesn't make any sense having said that <laughs> the next question i'm going to ask you um, is a bit contradictory to this because it's about what you have planned next <laughs> so as you kind of move into 2023 both as an individual but also as wham the company what are you kind of the key things that you have you know on your agenda on the company's agenda as, as you move into the next year We are now at a point where, uh, given it's a bear market, it's the right time to continuously build on the vision that we started off, off with and to capture as much as possible from the market that we identified. It's still up for grabs. Blockchain gaming will be freaking huge. Yeah. And um, I will say this. Wham will lead the way. WAM will be the number one platform for simple casual games with blockchain technology embedded in the world. We plan to integrate artificial intelligence into our product as much as possible and as deep as possible because we believe that the next era of casual entertainment will be driven by AI and by content generated by AI where everybody can be a creator of their own fun and where other people can contribute to that development, can have the fun together with other people, and so on. Um, in terms of company, our plans are pretty simple to get profitable, number one. Simple as that. And then to expand to different uh, regions where we are not present yet, to just expand the user base. Just on, on based on that question, because obviously, if you're aiming to, to lead the way in terms of crypto gaming, <clears throat> basically you're clashing with, let's say, Western companies who have like unlimited cash resources and access to unlimited talent as well. Are you planning or are, are you looking also employing people, even maybe you're, you are at the moment, employing people from, from abroad, remote employees? We, we do have. We are multi, and we're a multinational distributed team. Got it. Um, we have a team um, uh, from Ukraine, the Philippines, Indonesia, Nigeria. Um, we work with studios from Slovenia, Argentina, mm -hmm. um, I think the UK. So um, we have, in this day and age, companies are being transformed as we speak. Yeah. We can observe this in real time. DAOs will be the companies of the next 10 years. And this unlocks talent from wherever you are in the world. It's no longer necessary to be face-to-face. -face. Although I am in favor of personal meetings and, and being part of a, a focused team because it's the best way to, uh, what's it called, to enhance the group knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's a different type of environment. It's like a tribe. And you, you make, you, that knowledge is compounded when you're together. When you're 
individual and when you're doing stuff that is best suited for creation. Like if you want to create stuff that you have, I don't know, bugging you, the best environment to do it is to be like solitary confinement in a prison. That yeah. That's the best place you can be in. Yeah. Otherwise you get too many stressors, too many stimuli that uh, just cloud your vision, cloud your mind, and you cannot get to the right answer that you're after. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I just have one like uh, like slightly backtracking question is, can you just explain a little bit about like, why is it that you have this confidence when it comes to like crypto gaming, crypto casual gaming? To be honest, I'm not a big gamer, right? So I used to be a bit of a gamer when I was younger, but even this concept of, you know, casual gaming and hyper casual gaming, I think you said, is like a bit foreign to me. Can you just explain a little bit about why you have this confidence that this this market is really going to be, you know, something that really takes off in, in, in the coming years? Sure. Having been in this market for the past 15 years uh, and just toying around, just poking around, seeing what goes and what doesn't, and uh, making a lot of bad mistakes, having a lot of fuck-ups, having a lot of just bad deals and a lot of frustration, a lot of money lost and uh, developing on the web and uh, seeing how the browser evolved, uh, one starts seeing patterns and start seeing cycles, right? How things are evolving in cycles. It's not, it's not literally uh, uh, fortune-telling or it's just pure observation you, you can know the future by looking at the past. Some smarter dude or dudette said this, and I agree with it. Simple games, like think of it like this. In the history of humanity, us as a species managed to evolve and accomplish complex tasks and uh, endeavors by eliminating complexity from the topic and replacing it with a fun activity. What did that do? It just eliminated anxiety and made the learning process faster. Okay, so now we're in the face of a very huge technological challenge, uh, a technological revolution, which is the blockchain. In itself, as a, a, let's say a global scale experiment, it might fail for several reasons. I believe it will not especially the technology side. The, the Pandora's box on this end has been opened. Uh, the world will never go back to previous non-blockchain era. It's not possible and there are tons of benefits. And now the question is, how do you bring a billion users to actually use the blockchain? Like you use your uh, light switch. Everybody knows what a light switch is. You just turn it on, light comes on, turn it off, light goes away. Simple as that. You don't need to know how the electrical current works, yeah. what the wiring is, how much you're paying for the current, and so on. You just flip a switch, right? So the question was for us, what is that switch in terms of blockchain usage? And we quickly realized that by having simple games that people don't need to learn, that they can access on their phone with a single hand while they're commuting, while they're sitting on their couch, or I don't know, on your toilet, Whatever you do, because that is also a very uh, recorded time, toilet time, uh, you can actually experience a blockchain-enabled DAP without knowing that is actually using the blockchain. But at the same time, getting the benefits out of it. For instance, if you uh, get uh, digital assets, let's say NFTs, 
that you can later on sell on a secondary market. Why? Because you just it's yours or you want to bring your own NFTs to the game and replace the skins that you have by default with your own. This is also possible. And then you can sell them on a secondary market. What this does is uh, it, it enables people to experience a technology, a life-changing technology, without them being worried about, hey, is this safe? Is this uh, complex? Am I too stupid to learn it? Is it uh, too late for me to learn it? What can I do with it? And this is why I'm confident, because right now the predictions are that in seven years' time, by 2030, 3 billion people will be playing casual games on their phone. Today, the games industry is the biggest industry out of uh, all, bigger than music and video combined. So this is, this is like a very huge industry uh, where people create for fun. They play for fun. Some of them play to win stuff. Some of them are really hardcore competitors. But... Think of it like this. What was the first thing? What, what was the, let me ask you this. What was the first device that you ever touched growing up? First uh, electronic device. Uh, I got a good question. Think, yeah, I think it was the, the PlayStation game. For me, you're old. I think, uh, uh, well, for me, if we're talking, if we're talking, uh, I would say Tetris. Say again, say again. What was your answer? Tetris. Tetris. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, back in my day, I was yeah handheld, handheld little yeah game yeah. So we, everybody, I can literally write it down now, has had a gaming experience when they first touched technology. Windows was successful because of Solitaire and Minesweeper. I remember those days. So all of these new technologies actually were uh, adopted at a larger scale because of the games that they brought in yeah. and they made people feel uh, excited about it. So yeah. this is why I'm confident because uh, we know for a fact and we see that people change their behavior regarding uh, how they consume games, what they uh, think about games, uh, how much do they play. And with the help of AI... We are entering an age where work will be less and less done by men and women. So we will have a lot of spare time on our hands mm -hmm. to yeah, do what? The example with the chat GPT stuff as well. Just to... Chat GPT is an amazing tool. I want it every day. Yeah. As a so this is why as a jumping point. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I imagine, imagine uh, you just giving a command to your, I don't know, radiator or speaker hey i want a new website i want a new app and i want a database with uh, 10,000 somethings with content and whatnot and uh, i want this and that and it just magically appears 10 minutes later if uh, the ai was slow and we're entering an age where people will create more with the help of ai and then we will create new businesses, new business models, new activities. And one of the activity that has never gone away in our history is playing and having mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, so true. I, so true. I even remember when, anyway, when you start for... talking, uh, sorry, just is in my head. When you start talking no, about Minesweeper and uh, Solitaire, I even remember in Excel, they had that hidden game, right? Do you remember this? You went down to a certain cell and you had yes. to like, double click and then you went into this different game. <laughs> So even that kind of thing, yeah, you're busy working Guys, away. What are you talking about? <laughs> Back in the day, yeah, there was this world, um, world, world. There was a hidden game in Excel, 
And if you went to a certain row and a certain column, you could double click on it and you went into the yeah, proper game. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh... Yeah, transitioning to to the last minutes of the of the show of the episode, maybe you should because you're such an organic type of uh, entrepreneur. You grew organically, essentially, uh, doing doing business online and offline as well. Uh, would you share any two three advices you would give to anyone which who would who would like to to go on in entrepreneurship? Which one? This is a very two, tough three? question. First, I hate giving advice. Uh, even though it may seem I love giving advice, we're now in an age where everybody's giving advice to everybody. Advice, I would not say advice, I would say personal observation based on the context that I was in, but that's it. It's like personal learnings and then you take what is useful for you and you decide on your own. Exactly. Things to consider in your opinion. Yeah. First, if you're a sane person, and you want a life filled with money and uh, fulfillment, don't fucking do entrepreneurship. It makes no sense. Uh, there's a ton way more methods of making money and being happy and enjoying that money than sucking at stuff all the time and being happy about it because you have the opportunity of, I don't know, being your own boss. That's stupid. So think very carefully when you want to Call yourself an entrepreneur because that uh, there's a saying that be careful what you wish for because the universe will punish you and give you that thing. Um, the second advice would be try doing things alone, but find mates who can vibe the same way. Mm-hmm. And when they don't, just bail. Follow your values and, and, and respect your values. Don't, don't ever cheat on your values and have them. It's important to have values. Otherwise, uh, you're in a category of people that I don't want anything to do with mm-hmm. in, in that respect. Um, thirdly or fourthly, invest a lot of time in just learning a craft. This is just my engineering brain, even though I'm not a trained engineer. I'm a sadomasochist. I've learned programming by myself when there was no coding books around. Uh, But it's important to learn the craft of one thing because they can help you or it can help you in another aspect of your endeavors. And knowing things is useful. I am not even uh, sure why I'm saying this in 2022, but knowing things is awesome. Um, and last but not least, start early. Mm-hmm. The twenties the are the best year. Don't go to, I, I would say, uh, especially in Romania, don't go to university. It makes no sense at 18, 19. It makes no fucking sense. Unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, it makes no sense. Uh, and why I'm saying this is because you do not know what you want. Just take two or three years. Nobody dies. No, nothing happens. But you just learn to know yourself and what you like and what you don't like. I learned that I would want to do the math university at 30. Why? Because I felt so stupid when I saw an algo, uh, like a line of code like this long, uh, doing uh, what I wrote a page long. So it, it, I 
felt really stupid. And I knew exactly at that moment, this is the university I would have uh, gone to. Th these would be my observations and, uh, let's say, learnings. And these are coupled to learn how to work with people. Mm -hmm. And you do it by volunteering and, and, and just taking very weird challenges as a 20-year-old something. Mm -hmm. But many, many, many of the times, the twenty-year-olds or the younger, the younger people, with all the TikTok advices, with all the fake entrepreneurs online, they're expecting somehow the success extremely early in the process. I mean, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's very dangerous. And the reason it's dangerous is because you do not have the proper framework, the mental framework and the emotional framework to to process that success. Plus, you don't know who your friends are. You don't know what your family is or how they will react to your success. You don't know who to ask for help if you need it. And that's a dangerous time to have success in. I'm not saying it's not possible or it's against, I, I'm against it, no. But I did, I made a lot of mistakes, like a lot of mistakes. Look, this forehead, you see it? I've banged every freaking doorway possible. Uh, So don't, uh, the 20s are not for having success because you have a long life and the life expectancy only grows. The 20s are for accumulating knowledge and for accumulating skill and for just fucking up because nobody cares. Nobody has money in their 20s. But when you go to your 30s, at least know a topic. Just be confident in a topic. And then be part of a team. Why? Because... One plus one plus one is not three. It can be, I don't know, 37 or Tuesday or orange, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's not three. And that's a different... Uh, in Eastern Europe, specifically in Eastern Europe and Romania, we're not taught to think like this. Mm -hmm. It's so true, yeah. Well, I have one last question, sorry. It's because I'm uh, relatively new to Cluj, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I've been there since beginning of January, well, mid-January this year, but back and forth a little bit. But I've maybe spent about five months, I'd say, this year there. Um, what do you see happening? Like, what have you seen happening in Cluj in the last few years? And what do you see happening in the, in the next couple of years when it comes to tech and entrepreneurs and startups and this kind of environment? Are you confident with the way it's going? Do you think it's going to continue to go in this, in this positive direction? Cluj has known uh, a booming period when the outsourcing companies were being formed and grown. I do believe that time is about to end, or, or it should end. We should be bolder in what we dream to do, in what we actually do, because we've proven that at least in terms of technical skill, we have the capabilities of building amazing products that can have a global impact. Now, what we do not have is the capital and the marketing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But these are, uh, you can attract capital and you can buy marketing, learn marketing, uh, attract young people that uh, want to do marketing. Uh, also, one thing that uh, should improve, and uh, I want to contribute to this, and I hope you guys want to contribute to this as well, is building... Um, solid, sane, healthy business environment where ethics and values stand at the core and cooperation 
is uh, the foundation of prosperity amongst other companies. Exactly. This is what, and this is uh, at least my expertise. Every time when I managed to cooperate with somebody, it was better for me as well. When you have a competition, usually it turns out unhealthy at a point, and somebody cuts corners and values get fucked. And uh, then you have a, like a toxic environment where uh, you just lost everything that you've built. Yeah, I feel I feel the same way that actually exchanging information should be way more smooth in inclusion landscape, but also at large in, in Romania as well. I think we are so much more lacking in, in communication skills, as you as you mentioned as well. And we sh- there should be a context where ideas and competencies can be exchanged easily within industries. Yeah, but you know why it's hard? Because in Romania, like in other other places as well, we're also surrounded by charlatans, yeah. a lot of them. So it's pretty hard. Uh, it, it's pretty hard to be open, honest uh, about stuff when you know, uh, like uh, U.S. movies, they will be used against you, not mm-hmm. with you, not for you. So then you, you kind of start wondering, hey, look, I'm, I'm putting my soul and my creative capabilities, but I'm getting fucked over and over and over. I'm going to stop doing that because it's, it's stupid. So um, this is why I'm saying a, a business environment that uh, encourages and rewards ethical behavior mm-hmm. and punishes and actually removes bad behavior, bad actors, because they exist. By the way, Matt, what do you like about Cluj? I'm curious now on my end. Um, So, um, I don't know. I I find it, I've always enjoyed, I've lived in lots of different countries over the past 10, 15 years. And I always like find being somewhere which appears to be moving forwards. So someone that's progressive, it's always like an appealing environment to be living in, right? So there are certain parts of the UK, you know, London's an exception and there are a few other cities that are an exception to this, where it feels almost like things are declining. <laughs> you know, there was some progress okay. made in certain areas and now cool. things are slightly, slightly declining. Um, he froze for a bit, but anyways. I, I'll just carry on. I'm sure you'll come the back. Internet connection, the internet connection is not, not like Cluj. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Is it, me, is, it, is, it, is it me that you can't yeah. hear? <laughs> is it me that you can't hear? You can hear me. Yeah, exactly. You, you can hear me now or you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you can hear now me. No, right now, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you froze for a bit. Yeah, I know. There's wind, you know. Yeah, UK infrastructure. A bit more, maybe. If there's any rain or any wind or any snow, we, we, we fall to pieces. Um, but no, I like the progressive feeling. I think it also stems from the fact it's a very young population, right? Because of the universities. <laughs> You, you, you can't hear what I'm saying. Or can you? Yeah. Okay. No, no. no this, yeah. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard. But, um, and people are just very friendly. It, and it has a very nice balance in the, in the city itself between this kind of, um, like, culture and history and the architecture and things like this. And then also, like, this um, very friendly, open, progressive um, kind of, uh, like, you know, community feel. And then within the working environment, I think people are, are typically very open, uh, very friendly, very um, ambitious. 
looking to learn and to grow. I know our team at Visitor Analytics uh, within marketing, we have around, I think, 10 or 12 of us based here, others in the UK, others in different countries. Um, but the ones that we have here, everyone's just, you know, super keen to grow and to learn and to, and to progress. So those are the, some of the things I really like. Uh, and I, the reason I asked you the question was because myself as someone who's an outsider kind of coming into the city, um, I really, you know, have a good feeling in terms of the way the, uh, the city's heading and the way things are progressing. And I think, like you said, this whole ethical side of things, I think having, you know, we certainly want to next year be more of a part of the broader community. So the broader community in terms of tech, in terms of business, um, trying to make sure that, you know, other companies are supporting each other, having a place where they can come together, share ideas, exchange these things. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, it's, we're very happy to be there and we're looking forward to kind of growing there together with the city itself. I apologize for the UK's, uh, internet connection. <laughs> Cool. Thank you for that. So this being said, I think we can move into our next questions. In the last question, sorry. And uh, maybe Daniel will find this odd, but anyways, I'll go, I'll go ahead with it anyway. So this is actually one of the most requested questions for, for us from our TWIP community. And uh, it's top five things you decide. So it's literally a top five which you would encompass whichever things you would think of. Maybe it's books, maybe it's advices, even though you, you don't want to, to give them. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe skills which you're looking at maybe in the future for any young people to learn. This is, I know it's a very trendy topic, which skills you're trying to guide your children to, to acquire for the future. So... I, I, I hope I'm not putting you on the too much on the spot here. So, <laughs> top five. Yeah, yeah. Even if they're not like in necessarily in a specific order. One, the, the first thing that comes to mind, and uh, I could say it helped me a lot, is martial arts and especially Aikido. So, that is, even though in the past few years I've been slacking around um, physically, but mentally that still happens. But did you Second, pick up did you picked up Aikido since you were younger or it's a recent thing? Ten years. Ten years. Okay, okay, got it. Okay. And before that, I was a karate practitioner. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was a national champion um, at karate. So my a lot of my uh, let's say history is revolving around martial arts. Got it. I see. Okay. Secondly, would be. Teamwork. Mm -hmm. Thirdly, would be competence. Be competent mm -hmm. at the topic. Fourth, be courageous. This would be is something that is in the top four, uh, and it's not easy. So you're not courageous when the, the, everything is uh, uh, on your side. You're courageous when it's against you. Mm -hmm. And the fifth would be, I would say, family, the close family. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm much of a family guy, but given that uh, literally my family, my wife and my dog are 
in WAM for the past five years, day in, day out, I would say this is important. By the way, on based on, on your last point, because it's such an interesting one. So essentially, you, you're saying you're having a very good experience when you're looking at business as a family business. It's good to have also maybe family members or to work with family members in your, in your business. The, the main thing here is competence, not necessarily family. Mm-hmm. So if uh, I wouldn't consider, uh, for instance, Anka, who is my wife, competent in what she does, we would not be working together regardless if we are family or not. Mm-hmm. But given that she is, and I trust her uh, expertise, it makes it, uh, let's say, easier. Not easy, easier. Uh, at the same time, it's challenging because the pressure is a lot uh, bigger on her end to prove herself constantly. Um, but it's just a matter of working with competent people. Family, uh, having her uh, in the team makes it easier to understand what the hell I'm doing at the office. Got it. But this is pretty much it. Other than this, having a supportive family, some somebody that can understand not necessarily understand your business, understand, but to understand the pains, to understand the challenge, to understand the demons. The whole, yeah, yeah, the whole viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the whole optics. That, that yeah. helps a lot. Got it, got it. Well, Daniel, thanks very much for, for being here. So many golden nuggets, I would say, we picked up from, from this conversation. I think you're a very wise man. And uh, no, Thank you, you're too kind. I I, I'm, uh, maybe the golden nuggets were things not to do. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. But also your your suggestions towards what to guide us in the future. It's uh, it's so it's so helpful. And I hope we can meet also in the in the physical sphere. In the flesh. <laughs> in the flesh. Uh, well, dear Twippers, you had Daniel from WEM. He's the CEO and co-founder. I'm together with my co-host Matt Sarsen, who is the CEO of Visual Analytics. I myself, I'm Dragos, I'm the head of integrations and partnerships, and I'll see you in the next episode. Stay close. Okay, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dragos.